we've been telling you guys about the the dangers, the 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 terror, the the stark nightmarish AI. And uh, this, this is Bri- my buddy Brian Stone, my longtime producer, Brian Stone, who has his own podcast. We've mentioned it several times here before, Stone On Air. And he has been having fun with AI. Yeah. He did one with Mayor Tim Kelly, and he did one with, with me. And so this this is what AI can actually do. So, so we're going to give Stone a big plug here. Here we go. Because this is clever. So I occasionally listen to these podcasts because, well, everybody these days is old I can't afford to run cool saved the back end of my career and I am indebted to him for that. Well, of course, everybody knows this. I, I, hell, I'm, I'm so Brian's mentor. I still have to wake him up and get him up in the morning. I mean, every morning. He will sleep through his alarm. I have to go up there and go, come on now, this is the third time. Get up and go do some adulting. Um, <laughs> what the hell is that? Stone on air coming up. Completely unsanctioned by the church. Stone on air. Whatever, let's just do this. Stone on air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Give human beings opportunity, and you'll be absolutely shocked with what people do with it. Stone on air coming up. Stone on air. And welcome in, everybody. How are you doing on the 16th of November? That was from one of the versions of Clint Powell's During the Break podcast. Jeff took it quite easy on me, actually. He could have really lit me up in a lot of different ways if he wanted to. Um, but I, uh, I appreciate them featuring the AI-generated audio on their show. And uh, I'll talk about that and plenty of other things coming up next. First of all, though, just in case you happen to be a new listener, which... This week, I really actually do highly doubt. My name is Brian. This is the Stone On Air podcast, originated once upon a time as a radio show, and now it is a standalone podcast each and every Thursday, at least until the end of the year. This is the, let me see, where we're at? One, two, third to last, like straight up, you know, original news show before the year will be over for me. And in December, I'll roll some package stuff out. That is uh, some replays from earlier in the year. More on that as it gets closer. If you're around here normally, you already know where I'm headed in that direction. So, uh, yes, thank you, Clint Powell and Jeff Stiles. Um, Clint is a, uh, a a strong acquaintance of mine. He's not my friend. Um, it's just because we've never really gotten to know each other. I've been on his show before. And he used to work at the radio station. He was a sales guy, an account executive. So I didn't really interact with him all that much. And I was quite young during the years that Clint worked there. And so I'm sure he didn't care about me. I know I didn't care about him at that time. Jeff barely cared about me in those times. I mean, I'm going back because Clint was gone for a while while I was still there. I'm going back to like, I know, 2009, 7, 8, 10, somewhere in there. And um, and so Clint does so many podcasts, it's like exhausting to even think about, to see how many he does. And he does them well. I don't listen to a lot of them or really any of them unless I know it's going to feature me in some way. Uh, people could look at that as uh, however they want. I generally don't listen to a lot of podcasts. I just don't. Um, I'm glad that you do, and I appreciate that a lot. I do listen to some, and I listen to more as it goes along. But I will say, I will say this. I'm in a pretty good mood today. Um, I'll lay out the show in just a second. Is that this show continues to either stay pretty stable or grow. And that's not something that I could say for a very, very long time. It is very difficult to have patience for anybody, for any of us, at any age. And it really is difficult to have patience when you're young and you're hungry and you're working towards something. And I saw this the other day. I don't remember where it came from, so I'm going to paraphrase all of it. And I don't know who said it, so maybe I shouldn't even bother with it, but it was some kind of like, um, uh, you know, like motivational speaker style post. I'm sure it was TikTok. 
It says, don't be angry at people who seem to be succeeding or at least maybe maybe not even succeeding, but getting opportunities that you feel like you should get. And I think that's what a lot of the local music scene has problems with. I know I had that problem when I was young in the local music scene. And I had that problem when I was young in the radio scene and, and also in the podcast scene here, which I'm one of the first to this scene, one of the first ones that was a regular anyway. There's, there's others for sure. But don't get angry or envious of people who who create opportunities or get opportunities. They're not taking them away from you. You just haven't grabbed your own yet. And if you don't pursue it well enough, you might not ever get it. But that's not because someone's taking your spot, right? That's what I always had trouble with. I think everybody can relate to this. If it's in sports, if it's in business, big business, in the office, in the boardroom, yeah, it might feel like, oh, they got my spot. No, no, they just got a spot. And there's a spot for you and me too. And I'm beginning to understand that more and more. And I'm not meaning to be all motivational speaker to open the show. This isn't even one of the many on my list of things to talk about today. But uh, I guess the point, where was I? What am I talking about? That the this show continues to, to grow ever so slightly. And it's like, finally, after all these years... I'm not seeing drop-off. I'm only seeing at least stable or increases. And uh, that makes me happy. And uh, this past week being a perfect example, the AI stuff was a hit. It was a hit. I had people who have never listened to a word I've ever done hit me up saying, dude, that was the funniest thing ever. And that made me feel so damn good because I just kind of did it on the fly. I will do it again. I'm not going to beat a dead horse and, and, and you know, do it too often. I will do it again at some point once I figure out a good angle. But more and more times nowadays, I'm, I'm hearing from people that I would not have expected ever to listen to this show. Now, either occasionally or just barely sometimes or every single week do. And man, that is awesome. That's cool. So thank you very much for that. All right, way uh, into the show here. Uh, let's see. Coming up in today's show, I have a three-segment show for you. The only thing different is no audio in the open because the third segment is all audio. I have 10 different cuts, uh, just kind of clearing out the queue, if you will, and um, just going to have some commentary on it, kind of a throwaway segment. I enjoy doing them because they're fun. And there's just nothing more to talk about right this moment other than the move that the Chattanooga Football Club has made to MLS Next Pro. And on its face, just those words, that sounds pretty good, right? Like if you just left it at that, it sounds pretty good. And it is pretty good. Maybe not as good as it sounds. I'm not sure yet. I went to the press conference on Tuesday And then the after gathering with an additional press conference after that, grabbed audio, and I'll get you caught up on Chattanooga Football Club um, in the second segment of the show. So if one of the guys who texted me today who thought the funniest thing ever was me having AI Mayor Kelly and AI Mayor Weston arguing about soccer because how much he hated soccer, well, bro, this middle segment isn't for you. Or anybody else who might think that way. So, you've been warned. So, let's get things started here on just the list for the open. Um, it is, I, it's not cold yet. It's not even close to cold. And I am a, I, I'm, I'm a freezing maniac. Like, I'm beginning to wonder if something's wrong with me. Earlier today, I met with uh, the former now. I did not realize that his term was up and he was voted out the former chairman of the Hamilton County Republican Party. Uh, His name is Arch Trimble. That name has uh, a lot of lineage, and it is a prominent name here in the city, and I've known Arch and many of his family members for a very long time. And we met up today for coffee for a variety of reasons. He used to be in insurance, and he used to have my policies, and we would meet once a year for just... Hey, business, right? No, we're just playing catch-up. And that's kind of what we did today. And we had to hurry because our our schedules conflict kind of a lot. And the main reason was is he's huge into yoga. 
And this is something that I'm going to very highly consider doing into the new year. Because I swear, I swear, guys and gals, I mean, if I didn't know any better, which I really don't know any better, uh, even though I've been to the doctor plenty this year and I'm going again in December for blood work once again. I mean, it's kind of getting to a ridiculous point at this point. But um, I would think I have like a degenerative disease or something. The amount of pain, the chronic pain I have in my arms, in my biceps, in my shoulders, not so much my back. You know, I had back problems seemingly, or at least my back hurt regularly when I was quite young. Not so much now, but my my upper body, my shoulder blades, I mean, it hurts bad. I need some stretching. I need something in my life. I'm not sure what it is, but I need something. And he's a re- in recovery, too, of now eight-plus years of, um, of kicking alcohol. And that's what kind of reconnected us here this year. And he's a big jam band guy. And go figure, a head of a Republican Party that's a big jam band guy. And um, I first thing I said today was, dude, I, I finally figured out, and I guess I figured it out early, but I, I'm really realizing it now as I evaluate at the end of the year, as I do every year, that quitting drinking didn't really solve any of my problems. Because <laughs> eight months ago, I thought that I had just had a rebirth, right? Like I had completely changed my life. And in a way, I did. And I don't want to take away an accomplishment that's worth celebrating. And I also don't want to say, celebrate me forever for this thing that's now kind of in the rearview mirror. And it'll always be there, though. It'll always be in the rearview mirror, even if it's far off in the distance. But I did not come close to changing my life by just quitting drinking. There's a lot more that needs to happen. And I'm not exactly sure what that is. And some of those things are going to start like they did this morning with a cup of coffee and a conversation. And that's what that was about today. Main Times 24, two weeks away, the greatest day of the year. I don't think you'll run into anybody who has ever experienced this day in any way who would say anything other than it's at least on a list of the best days of the year. For me, it is the best. I'm not sure what I'll be doing for that yet. It'll be the first sober one I've ever had. I do know that I'll be in the Volkswagen section of the parade, though. My guy, Lord Taco's got his bus running, and I have already called shotgun um, for this year's parade. So that is uh, something I'm very, very, very much looking forward to. So a couple things here I have printed off. That I'm just going to read headlines and give a little commentary. This is about the shooter, Daryl Roberts, who killed Chris Wright. You know the story by now. What is now what? Almost, maybe it's close to two months ago. Um, Mental health court has had praised accused shooter. He had been in and out of what they are referring to as mental health court. I didn't know that there was really... um, such a thing and it's mental health is a really tricky one right like clearly if you are in any kind of brain capacity to murder somebody then you're mentally deficient but what does that mean exactly like mental health what does that mean I struggle with that for so long as a young person, me and Arch talked about it today. I, I have terrible anxiety as an adult. Late onset anxiety and panic attack disorder at times. And I never used to have those things. And I think it's simply because I was too arrogant to have anxiety. I wasn't worried about anything because nothing bad was ever going to happen to me. Like I'm always going to come out on top. I'm always going to get what I want. I'm always going to have the job I'm looking for. I'm always going to get everything. When people talk about white privilege, well, this is a perfect example of that. And I don't find those to be bad words. I also don't think the fact that you're white and you get that privilege means you're a bad person either. That's not the subject matter here. But so I... I... struggle with what mental health can be at times 
and how it is treated is so tricky and it's such a trial and error kind of thing. And yeah, of course, this guy can go in and out of these courts, even if there are healthcare professionals, which are more and more involved in the law enforcement of this city here recently anyway. And I think that's kind of a trend across the country. I sure hope so anyway. It's very easy for someone to think that you're okay. You know, it's very easy for somebody who is sociopathic to make you think that they're okay. Uh, When it comes to the medication, also, a lot of people don't like taking medication when they feel fine. Here, take your medicine. I feel fine. Well, if you don't take your medicine, you won't feel fine anymore. You deal with that with a lot of people. And then I also think that there are people who use the mental health trend, the mental health crisis trend, as a way to excuse away their absolutely abhorrent, shitty behavior. I 100% believe that that's a thing too. All of these things can be true at once. So mental health people don't come after me. I'm an ally. All of these things can be true at once. And so I, I think that sometimes, as I've said about this situation with the 38-year-old Chris Wright who got killed downtown, sometimes shit just happens. Bike lanes are back in the news. Before I get to that, because this is part of the part of that a little bit, from the Times Free Press. So, yeah, I mean, I, it's just my main source of information. It's still a great paper, even though no one reads it and it doesn't exist in paper form, basically. The polls, man. The polls are killing me. Uh, here was a poll the other day. Uh, I just I just hate polls, generally speaking. Should school start later? That's it. End of poll. End of question. 90% says yes. 10% says no. And that's data that means what to me? How is that important? It's junk. It's junk data is what it is. And then today's was... What do you think of Chattanooga's focus on bike lanes? Too much, too little, or just right? At least there's three choices there. Um, More room for bikes are coming to Central Avenue, at least, if not many more. I am, uh, this is another one where the bike people are going to come at me. Um, I don't see the bike lanes as being super beneficial to downtown Chattanooga. I just don't. And I know that with the bike program, the bike share program, it's going to be pushed by no matter what mayor we have, whether it's Tim Kelly now or uh, Andy Burke, who was the one who implemented bike share Chattanooga. But there's no rules or regulations or laws or anything to this. And it's dangerous. I find it to be very dangerous. If it is being used, it's dangerous. Generally speaking, I don't see it hardly ever getting used and think about it too in the climate that we live in like the literal climate the weather how often is anybody biking all over chattanooga what about a collective six to eight weeks out of the entire year who's biking around downtown chattanooga in january who's biking around downtown chattanooga in august i mean not people not sane people if you're asking me and until the people who have bikes ride them and ride them on the road in designated lanes that are supposed to follow traffic laws until they pay to have a tag on their car and a sticker like a like an automobile does i don't want to share the roads with them i don't know who you are i don't know what you're doing when you break when you inevitably break the law the you the they the them the whoever there's there's no way to track these people it's dangerous And so many people do not understand the laws, run the red lights. That's running a red light, brah. You're not supposed to do that. We don't want them riding all over the the sidewalks because we're not a beach town or whatever some people have said. Uh, When I was growing up, riding bikes in the middle of the road, bad. Riding bikes on the sidewalk, good. Now, it's the opposite. And there's no safety courses that any of these bike riders have to take. There's no real safety courses involved in the driver's test, which, you know, 27 years ago was a joke. I don't know what it's like now. It's just not safe. And we're we're shrinking lanes. You know how many trucks? I know I work in the vending industry, but the, 
you know, the the distribution industry, these trucks trying to get around, all those big curbs, those clunky curbs and all that crap all over Broad Street and Main uh, Market Street, excuse me. It's just not practical and it's not safe in most cases. And if you're going to do it, then the riders need to have a tag and need to pay a yearly tax like us in cars do. And then we all need to understand the rules of the road. And when the bicyclists break the laws, which I see all the time, all the time, if I do see somebody on a bike, generally speaking, I see them breaking the laws. They need to be pulled over by a police officer on a bike or in a patrol car, either one, and ticketed, just like a car. You, this is like talking to it. You want to act like a child? I'll treat you like a child. You want to act like a a, a a motorized vehicle? Well, I'm going to treat you like one. It's fine. Ride your bike all over the city, all over the roads. That's fine. Pay a yearly tax. Put a tag on it so we can track you. And when we catch you breaking the law, you're going to get a citation too. Until we start to do that, then I'm not interested in shrinking more roads downtown. We're already getting rid of all the goddamn parking. And now we're letting bikes take over when really, in the end, there's not that many bikes on the road to begin with. So bike people, come at me, bro. And for now, I'll just wrap it up there and get to the CFC thing here in a minute. Um, Jetta gas prices just plummeting. Oh, I love it. It really, though, does bother me that we're in a world where I see 271 gas and I'm freaking excited. That's not a reality I really want to live in. And for those of you in Georgia, the gas tax is still suspended till the end of November. But as soon as they realize that they can get away with not doing that as they sit on $18 billion in surplus, they'll add that gas tax back very likely in December. And maybe not December because that would look bad. Uh, because of the holiday, but by January, that gas tax will very likely be back, but it's plummeting all over town. A um, couple of things. Uh, I'm out of town here, uh, time here in the open. Uh, Zelensky out in Ukraine says the headline is not time for not the time for elections. And I won't even start on this one right now because then the Ukraine bros will come after me. Um, yeah, it's time for, it's election time, but no, 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 not now, no, no, I got things, no, this is not the time or the place to be having elections. Kind of sounds like the country that's invading them, doesn't it? I'll let that one just sit right there. And the Las Vegas sphere I've been meeting to talk about out in Las Vegas has uh, reported a $98 million loss in its first year. That thing is pretty freaking impressive, but that's all. I have a long thing on realtors. And this viral thing that's been going around on social that needs to be called out. So then I'll now have the realtor bros coming after me. I don't want to have them all after me in one week. I will save the realtor stuff for next week. And for those of you that agree with me on this, which I know there's a lot of you out there, you're going to like this one. So this is a week-long tease. We'll... uh, basically make fun of realtors in the real estate market next week all right coming up next chattanooga football club is moving up to a new division called the shit what is it there it is mls next pro and you'll hear from some of the prominent members to make that happen Next. Now back to more. Stone on air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Stoneonair.com. Very few people love our city and our club as much as the man you're about to hear from. He literally co-founded it. And now he runs the city as our mayor. Please welcome Chattanooga's mayor and CFC's biggest fan, Mayor Tim Kelly. This is a great day, right, for us. I mean, clearly joining this stable, wonderful league, being able to play regional opponents again is a wonderful thing. But I think MLS is getting something out of it too, right? Because this is a truly, genuinely grassroots, authentic community club. And, and God willing, it always will be, right? That is what's so special about this club. The product on the field's great. And, and again, thanks to the players and coaches for producing such a fantastic season and such a fantastic product. But that's the tip of the iceberg, folks, if you don't know it, right? I mean, what this club is means so much more to this community than that. Uh, but they're all pieces of a whole. 
That was Mary Kelly. It's getting better, man. This is a song that I put on every time that I'm like down and out, feeling blue, and then all of a sudden things are feeling better. Serious talk. For 25 years, when I need to pick me up, when I'm bummed, well, it's getting better, man. And for the CFC, it is getting better. Several things I didn't get to there on the open. I rambled so much, I will get to in the final segment, which will basically just be commentary. And uh, real quick, I just do want to say about the AI thing. Uh, Two of the four that I had fun with, with the AI, uh, were totally cool sports about it. Obviously, Jeff Styles, as you heard on the front end, uh, thought it was funny. Tim Kelly mentioned, uh, commented on the Instagram post that uh, he had the little laughy emoji. I have a feeling he didn't love it, but he was being cool about it. Uh, of course, didn't hear from Weston about it, but I wouldn't have expected to. Gotta think he thought it was at least a little funny. And Nick Let's Go, I didn't hear from, and he didn't repost or retweet or any comment or anything like that. Uh, I, and I know why, but that's what he does for a living almost is make fun of things and sometimes people and um, certainly does it in that kind of way. So I know that that Nick certainly did not have any problem with uh, me using him. So that was fun and I appreciate all the responses. But the headline is CFC announces move to MLS next pro. And when you hear that, you think, man, that's got to be a pretty big deal, right? It's got the it's got MLS in the name, Major League Soccer, MLS Next Pro. A lot of reasons why, and the guy who texted me today, who's a listener and a longtime friend, um, who mentioned he hates soccer, so he thought the making fun of soccer thing was funny. And he comes from the same, you know, the kind of school of thought and sports that I did growing up that soccer is stupid. And he's never grown out of it. He never will. I did grow out of it, and I don't think it's stupid. I don't think it's better sport than most of the other sports I already have always liked, but I certainly do appreciate the sport. But it's very difficult for Americans to understand this because they because they, meaning the rest of the world, do it so differently. That doesn't mean it's wrong or worse. Or better, it just it's just different. And American soccer has levels of convolutedness to it that that's what makes it difficult for people to be really excited about. Plus, also, what do we what have we proven that we don't really care about in this country? Minor league sports. They're just social gatherings. They're just outings for the family. We like to go to them and we because usually they're affordable and they're family friendly and we love that aspect of it but we, nobody cares if the lookouts win nobody truly cares if the lookouts win the southern conference championship they just don't unless you're 14 right i mean that's just how it works it's not good or bad it's just how it is but it does turn out that this mls next pro is kind of settling a little bit and it is an upstart just a little bit from the piece It says the league is classified as part of the third tier of the United States Soccer League system and completes the pro player pathway from MLS Next. Now, when I was at the presser yesterday and was posting uh, in real time and trying to tag all the right people, I was trying to tag MLS Next. Uh, I already forgot what it's called. Pro. MLS, I want to say plus because everything's plus now in the TV world. MLS Next Pro. And I was seeing that there was an MLX Next, which is another level, a different branch of American professional soccer. So it convolutes it even more. This is like a feeder system into that, it would appear. The league recently formed a partnership with Apple TV to carry most of its games on MLS League Pass. Uh, Chattanooga FC will play under new rules in the 24 season as regular season MLS NP matches cannot end in a draw. That's kind of cool, actually. Instead, they go straight to penalty kick shootouts. 
so there'll be more exciting games. I don't know if the purist will like that, but I do. Each team gets one point for the draw, while the shootout winner gets an additional point. And that's about the most I'll, I'll do that. I did go to the wiki page and didn't really get anything that I didn't already know just from that piece, meaning it's a startup. This will Next year will only be their third year in existence. I did go to Reddit, which is the best place for anything. And so just quickly, somebody posting this in a explain like I'm five kind of way with the conversation being what is MLS Next Pro compared to the USL, which is what the Red Wolves are, and then MLS itself. To summarize, it depends on what you're looking to do with your team. If you want to create something lasting that can really gain momentum and traction online and locally, then USL is the safest bet. Again, that's the Red Wolves League, which they have they own the territorial rights here in Chattanooga. That goes back to the soccer wars from years ago. But if your focus is purely on developing great young players to sell to higher tier teams and giving local amateurs a chance to earn a paycheck playing, then MLS Next Pro is the safest bet. And if you're a fan of having clinical depression, mild psychosis, and a fatty li- liver, and a larger carbon footprint than Exxon, <laughs> then the safest bet is to set up a NISA, NISA team, somewhere outside of the East Coast. And what that's referring to, I would have known what that meant exactly, except for I talked to David Smotherman, who is uh, all things uh, merchandise for Chattanooga FC and Mox Vision for UTC. Uh, at the presser yesterday or on Tuesday, that the USL, excuse me, the uh, NISA, N-I-S-A, which the the Chattanooga Football Club has been a part of for a few years now, which was really settling when the Red Wolves came in and scooped up the territorial rights for the local professional league, that they had teams every year that didn't make it until the end of the year before they went bankrupt. They weren't sure whether games were going to even be played on a regular basis. Um, and there were not a lot of Southern teams. So, And I did notice this when I would look at the CFC schedule and I would see them traveling to Los Angeles and Las Vegas and Sacramento. And I'm thinking, how can this be financially viable to have this kind of travel for such a low-level um, soccer league. No matter what level it is, it's still low level. It's minors. The lookouts don't play in Albuquerque, right? They play in the Southern League here with teams from Florida and North Carolina and 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 all the teams that you're familiar with and South Carolina and, and the list goes on. They territorial play. Well, that's what they're now going to be able to do with the MLS Next Pro. So that's the biggest advantage they're going to have now. They're going to have more cost certainty from every level of operations, especially in travel and whether the teams are going to make it through the year without going bankrupt. So that itself is obviously a very uh, good thing. So I'll do this pretty quickly, and then I'll wrap up this segment and um, have some fun in the final one. Uh, let the, what do I got here? So I've got three pieces of audio from yesterday's presser. We'll start, of course, you heard from Tim Kelly on the open. We'll start with this guy, Davis Grizzard or Grizzard. He is the board, he is a board member in the vice chair joined in 2020. His previous roles were management roles in investment companies for hedge funds, private equity, venture capital, real estate, and fixed income. So it's like, what in the hell does this dude have to do with soccer? Well, he kind of explains that yesterday at the presser of the announcement of moving to the new league. This is Davis Grizzard. I started supporting the CFC in 2013 after a friend randomly invited me to come to a game. I was hooked. You won't see me in the suite at Family or in the seat back chair. I fell victim to Section 109. It's an extremely loud section, one where we bang drums, chant loudly, and support the men and women in blue. The section is known around the world for their insanely supportive nature, and some call them the supporter section, but we know them as Chattahooligans. But my love grew even more than being just a fan. As someone who grew up around soccer, being a CFC fan was easy. Being a small shareholder through our community fundraiser in 2019 came even easier. But when the opportunity presented itself to become an owner, that was a no-brainer. I'm here to think about our community and the profound effect soccer can have on it. 
from the kids to education to our academy to the foundation. MLS Next Pro is a part of that future. It will have a profound impact on our growth, our kids, our community, and our club, Chattanooga's Club. So from the financial sector to vice chair, board member of the CFC, Davis, uh, again, sorry if I get it wrong, Grizzard or Grizzard uh, is the first to hear from there. Next is who was representing the county. Weston didn't bother to show up, so he sent David Roddy, who I feel will probably have lots of political ambitions in the state of Tennessee, in the county, in the city potentially, and maybe even in the southeast. The guy is uh, seems to be kind of on the up and up. He was one of the better uh, police chiefs that we've had. He is now the COO of Hamilton County, and he was at the presser to, uh, again, represent for Weston. This is David Roddy on Tuesday at the CFC presser. Because I have watched firsthand as a lifelong Chattanoogan the culture of a southern city change, and that is not an easy feat. It's amazing to watch something like this that was not born here, has been here for decades and generations, suddenly become part of what most people's social experience looks like, what a downtown looks like, what businesses experience and benefit from, what we as a community get to take part in as much as we possibly can. I don't know of a better way for people to understand the complexities of what this journey has looked like from, as Mayor Kelly put it, from a grassroots formation, from a vision from founders that then moved it in through the different leagues of soccer all the way through what it was I just said, I don't even know if I can repeat it again, all the way up to where we are today is just truly amazing. Earlier he was trying to make a joke about the name of the conference they were in. Wasn't a very funny joke, but anyway, uh, that's David Roddy. Uh, Two more here. This is Alton Bird. He is the CEO of Chattanooga FC. He just took over earlier this year. Kind of a, a a long and pretty impressive overall resume. He was a basketball star at Columbia University in New York. He worked for the British Basketball League. Never uh, played in the NBA. Played in some developmental leagues. He worked for the London Monarchs of the NFL uh, Europe back in the late 90s. He worked for the Sacramento Kings. And most recently was the vice president of business operations for the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, the NBA Brooklyn Nets. This is CEO Alton Bird. I know this for true. This club will never waver from its values. A club that serves and invests in the community. We will always maintain a level of independence that is unlike any other city and any other club in this league. We're very much aligned with MLS Next Pro. We want to empower communities. We want to be a platform for innovation and diversity. And Chattanooga as a city welcomes newcomers and new ideas. I believe the Chattanooga Football Club will make MLS Next Pro a better league. We're proud of that by being a truly independent local club with 15 years of rich winning heritage I believe that this league will truly benefit from showcasing a club that already embodies the league's values. And the final one here is from president of MLS Next Pro. His name's Charles Altchek, and this is from the Sports Business Journal's 40 Under 40 from earlier this year. Another guy from the financial sector, Goldman Sachs. He started there in 2007. And he is now the president of the league. And this is him giving a little bit of an idea of what this league is all about. As you have seen firsthand with your club, soccer has the unparalleled ability to unite us across diverse backgrounds, cultures, and beliefs. Our sport transcends barriers and offers a universal language, one of passion, teamwork, and unyielding determination. MLS Next Pro is the league of opportunity for players, for staff, ticket sellers, marketers, community advocates, and fans. MLS Next Pro just celebrated our second cup final with a thrilling championship in Columbus. Both clubs feature the next generation of best young players from around the world, striving to prove that they are ready for the highest level, whether in MLS, overseas, or with their national teams. With matches broadcast globally through our long-term partnership with Apple on MLS Season Pass, and supported by our industry-leading relationship with Adidas. The future is bright for our league. 
And the uh, I think he mentioned also the Apple deal. I think he did there too. And I know Tim mentioned it uh, earlier. Uh, I think, or at least I read it, or something. So there's the Apple Plus TV or whatever TV deal there also. So I've been saying for a while. I th- it felt like the CFC charm had worn off. I don't think this city is necessarily big enough for two soccer teams to be able to have the passion that the CFC once organically grew. And at the end of the day, I'm still a CFC guy. And when I go to the Red Wolves, which I did the final game of the year this year, if I don't have the executive club access, I ain't going because the stadium sucks. And for some reason, this many years in, three years since they built this supposed stadium, it's just a bunch of bleachers is really all it is, if you don't have access to the luxury boxes in the executive club. Um, they still have this a dirt parking lot and the an I-75 in the background roaring up and down. It's just not it's not a a, a pleasurable pleasurable uh, experience or atmosphere. Even though I think they have done a very good job overall, but maybe this is what will help CFC get that back to the average person. They don't know what USL is. They don't know what NISA NISA is. But they do know what MLS is. And just by having the name MLS Next Pro, that perception can lead to a reality in people's minds that, hey, this is a true farm farm feeding system into what we are aware of. We are, uh, uh, we have, there's recognition to Major League Soccer. Maybe it'll help. Maybe it'll, I know it'll help. Maybe it'll help enough to get that 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 specialness that I used to feel. Maybe I've just grown out of it. Maybe it's still there. I don't know. Um, Finley Stadium is still a wonderful place. I ran into Brian Wright, the executive director of the stadium, at the press the other day, and I made sure and said, hey, Brian, remember, you said you'd come on with me next year. So we'll talk about that with him sooner than later. But I am a fan. I'm a CFC guy. I hope it works out. I got a bunch of different pieces of audio. They bounce all over the spectrum, and I'll have commentary on all of it to wrap up the show next. Melbourne Stone on air. It's about to get all stupid up in here. Always say less than necessary, law number four. And it's the fact that by talking too much in a meeting or in any kind of situation, you make people inadvertently smell weakness on you. A lot of um, communication between humans is nonverbal. Mm-hmm. Sure. We, we feel we sense something from you and it communicates and we have an impression. And people who talk a lot generally give an impression of they don't know how to control themselves. Whereas people who kind of say a little bit less, you know, who kind of speak in riddles almost, who say, yeah, that's great, I'll think about it or whatever, gives off an impression of power as if they know more than they actually do. Mm-hmm. All right, well, I guess I'm screwed then, huh? I'm totally screwed if I follow that guy's advice. But I do agree with the premise where it started saying it's okay to just shut the F up sometimes. But I don't know if that was his point. This is Brent Cobb. He is going to be at the Barrel House Ballroom tonight. My guess is you don't have plans tonight and you're not going to all of a sudden make them now. But in case you wanted to, Brent Cobb. At the Barrel House Ballroom, I interviewed him about six or seven years ago. Cool dude, good music. No chance you'll find me there, not on a Thursday anyway. So I just needed something to jump off the page with a rejoin. I don't know who that was, but yeah, if if the secret sauce is, is to shut up, then uh, yeah, I am absolutely doomed. So I um, I forgot about this, and I know nobody's really coming here for Bonnaroo uh, information, generally speaking, but the pricing, just like everything else, shocker, stop the presses, news flash, oh my god, I can't believe it. 
have gone up considerably. And I'm I'm pretty disappointed with the way Bonnaroo laid it out. They put out this this press release before they announced the ticket sales going on sale, which also, by the way, are on sale today, the pre-sale now. The lineup won't be announced until probably January at the earliest. Could be all the way until February. I would guess January. So to get the best prices, you need to buy now. And the semantical gymnastics that they did to say that they haven't raised prices in a decade is one of the most ridiculously laughable, nonsensical comments that could be in any press release or spoken from anybody in any organization. They've been raising prices in different ways, creative ways, and necessary ways for years. And I'm not even that mad about what the price is. It's not that crazy. But to say that you haven't raised prices in 10 years is ludicrous. And the parking is where they've really jacked things up. It went from $50 per car, which it wasn't that long ago. That didn't exist. It might be almost 10 years now they've been doing the parking pass thing. It was 50 bucks. It jumped to 110 That's early bird. The second tier is like 170 or 80 or something. And then the final tier is 200 and it might be all the way to 250 it's over 200 bucks so parking in some scenarios has gone up close to 300 percent and then the tiers on all these are just too much to get into but to say they have not been raising prices just don't say anything bonnaroo just put out the damn thing you know people are going to go if they're going to go I, I i i didn't like that i thought it was good in a way to get out in front of it but don't tell me, you know, the don't piss on me and tell me it's raining thing. That's kind of what they did. And I, I hope it sells. I hope it sells out. I hope it's a smash. And I I hope to have a Bonnaroo experience like I always do in 2024. So let's get started here as I'm already five minutes almost into the segment. We'll start with what was going to be the coolest thing. Language alert. Earmuffs if you need them on the kids. If you are familiar with Pulp Fiction, you're going to, I think, I can't imagine you would think anything other than this is fabulous. If for some reason you're not familiar with Pulp Fiction, it won't mean a thing to you. This is today's coolest thing. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. Does he look like a bitch? What? One more goddamn thing. Does he look like a bitch? What? One more goddamn time. Does he look like a bitch? What? One more goddamn time. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. English motherfucker, do you speak it? Say what again? English motherfucker, do you speak it? Say what again? So good. Is a tasty burger. Whopper, whopper, whopper. What? English motherfucker, do you speak it? I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I have listened to that so many times. It is wonderful the video makes it a little bit better but you don't need it that it's things like that that makes the internet such a wonderful place this is today's what would have been realest thing on the open now uh we'll still call it that it's matt bouchelle a guy in new york walks around new york talking into his phone i guess he's a comedian i don't know um, but about the Christmas thing, why are people so pissed off when people start celebrating Christmas, what they think is too early? Well, then we all know one guy who's like way too upset that people are celebrating Christmas early. I would love to get in the brain of someone like that. Like let people have their fun. They're like, it's not how it works. It's not even Thanksgiving yet. It's like, yeah, dude, what are you? The goddamn calendar police? Like who gives a shit? Are you that pissed <laughs> off when you walk into a Rite Aid and you see like the Reese's cups are now shaped like Christmas trees? Is that really ruining your day that much? They're like, went into a Starbucks and they had the holiday cups. It's like, yeah, because Christmas is the most magical time of the year and it only comes once a year. And, and why are you protecting Thanksgiving? Like, it's a nice holiday, but it's largely about day drinking and watching rich people parade their dogs around on television. It's not it's not that exciting of a holiday. It's like you biting your tongue while your uncle says something about immigration. <laughs> I love that guy. Seriously. And this coming from a guy who thinks Christmas is you know way overblown, me, meaning me. But I don't care if you want to celebrate it early. If it's your thing, do it. Whatever. It's way better than damn Halloween. I can tell you that. 
Uh, this is too real quick from a guy named Paul Kaharski. He covers the Titans and has for a long time. And he's been quite critical of Ryan Tannehill for a long time. And it, most people aren't going to care about this, but I am technically, for real, deep, deeply, a little sad that Ryan Tannehill's job is gone and he won't be a quarterback for the Titans um, basically ever again. He might take a few more snaps this year, but his t- tenure with the Titans is done. And anybody who tells you he's anything other than the second best quarterback that this franchise once since relocated to Tennessee, they're just liars and haters. He it was a short time. We were we were, we weren't here for a long time, but we were here for a good time for that short period of time. This is Paul Kaharski talking about just that. And I understand. Oh, Tana Homer. Okay. I understand. There, there, look, there's before and after Cincinnati. Yep. His his after Cincinnati is 15 points worse passer rating. The organization's gone completely downhill since then. Unfortunately for him, the Cincinnati game is, is his defining moment as a Titan. But 36% of his games, I think, in the regular season were come from behind fourth quarter wins. 14 of 38 games. I mean, he provided some really high-quality football for Titans fans in three really good years of a window that Joe pointed out wasn't long enough, but was a great window. It was keyed around Derrick Henry. So was Steve McNair's era. It was Eddie George's, and this is Derrick Henry's team, but Ryan Tannehill was very good for a lot of it. Very efficient. Very, very good. And just for a quick reset on the before and after Cincinnati – before it's life before and after that was the playoff game that he threw the three interceptions it was soul crushing I was there I was in the building I had my tickets for the AFC championship the next week I it still bothers me and it was almost that was almost three years ago and yes since then it's been a drop-off and they're making a change and they're moving on and that's what they need to do and I'm fine with it it doesn't mean I'm not still sad and one more from uh, Paul just to wrap things up uh, I don't agree with this completely, but I'll explain why. They built it. At p- people are critical of Ryan Tannehill because he's, quote-unquote, just a play-action quarterback and needed Derek and all of that. Well, listen, if a guy's not elite and nobody's going to say that, that Ryan Tannehill was elite, then what you're supposed to do is build a system that features his talents. And Tannehill, for some reason, always got bashed nationally for that. Whereas locally, I think most people are smart enough to say, hey, this is excellent use of Ryan Tannehill. The Titans maximized him, and he thrived in it, and it was a great marriage, and he deserves a lot of credit for a lot of entertaining Sunday afternoons for this market. And hats off to him. I absolutely agree with that part of it, but to say locally people did or do appreciate that, I'm not sure if that's true. I know amongst my circle of Titans fans, they've been hating Ryan Tannehill's guts for a long time. Speaking of football, and I meant to look this up and I forgot, I'm sorry, Um, uh, in Frankfurt, two weeks in a row now, they're playing games in Germany in the morning, which I think is cool. And for some reason, this is what I wanted to look up. Some reason, John Denver's country road is like an anthem in that country. The way that Sweet Caroline, Neil Diamonds is here in some stadiums, most notably in Boston. But for some reason, in all kinds of different settings, Germans love the song Country Road from John Denver. This was coming back from break right before a kickoff in Frankfurt this past weekend. If I can find it, there it is. singing as the kickoff goes and there was several times during the game where they would still be singing John Denver <laughs> during the game it's uh it's a very european thing the sing along the hooligan thing um 
I, I thought it was so cool. And I meant to look up the origins of where that comes from, and I forgot. This was from the GOP debate the other week. Thank God I haven't bothered to uh, spend a second on that. But a guy who I think would be a perfectly fine president for this country, Chris Christie, is saying the things that we all, I wish we all would agree on. We're not pro-life for the whole life. To be pro-life for the whole life means that the life of a 16-year-old drug addict on the floor of the county lockup is precious and we should get treatment for her to restore her life. The 52-year-old who's drug addicted should make sure that any of his children who he's passed that addiction on to are treated well too. Pro-life's not just in the womb, Kirsten. It's for the whole life. Yeah, and that is something that has infuriated me this entire time of my life of understanding the pro-life, pro-choice just back and forth screaming at each other thing. Oh, my God, the babies. Oh, my God, the precious babies. Oh, the precious little angels, the little babies. As soon as they're old enough to walk, we don't give a shit about them anymore. We don't care about the poor. We don't care about the sick. And we don't care about the elderly in this country. We try to cut all welfare programs, all Medicare, Medicaid, whatever all these programs are. Social Security somehow is a discussion. Oh, entitlement. Entitlement, my ass. That's money we all pay in. It's so messed up. It's so my. Oh, I'm just pro-life, 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 pro-life. I'm so worried about the babies. Why aren't you worried about anybody else later in life, dickheads? That's what I have to say to that. Sorry. Um, this is from an unlikely source saying something that I agree with completely. It's Elon Musk, and I'll just let him do the talking for the next 45 seconds or so and then have my thoughts. For, for every Hamas member that you kill, how many did you create? And if you create more than you killed, you've not succeeded. That's the, you know, the real situation there. Um, and it's safe to say that if, if you know, if, if you kill somebody's child in Gaza, if you've, you've made at least a few uh, Hamas members who will die just to, just to kill an Israeli. That's the situation. So, but, but I mean, this is one of the most contentious subjects one could possibly discuss, but but I, I think if, if the if the goal ultimately is some sort of long-term peace, one has to be look at this from standpoint of over time, are there more or fewer uh, terrorists being created? You are a product of your environment. You're not born a bigot. You're created as a bigot. You're uh, or you or it is indoctrinated into you. You're not born a Christian. You become a Christian. You're not born a Muslim. You're not born a Hindu. You're not born a terrorist. You're not born a, born a member of ISIS. You're not born a member of Hamas. But you might become one because of the environment that you are in. I will never understand. No matter how many times it's explained to me, like I'm five or by Jewish scholars, or Palestinian scholars, or Middle Eastern scholars, or worldly uh, uh, know-it-all types. You cannot make me understand what in the hell is going on over there, except for barbaric act after barbaric act. And the way this country loves to be all of a sudden now international diplomacy experts all over social media, it's disgusting. And it it infuriates me beyond belief. And oh that oh yeah, that thing, that holy war thing that I'm always talking about. Well, that's all it is. That's all that it is. That's the only part that does make sense to me, which is why I'm so repulsed and disgusted by every single bit of it. Uh, Speaking of things that are repulsive, we'll do that for a minute. Uh, Let's see. Sorry, I didn't mean to totally get in a mood on you here. This was going to be today's worst idea in the opening segment. This is Rick Santorum on Fox News. I'll remind you who this guy is. I know you recognize the name, but just give you just a quick um, refresher on how close this guy got to actual power in this country. This is Rick Santorum, and it is absolutely today's worst idea. 
you put very sexy things like abortion and marijuana on the ballot and a lot of young people come out and vote. It was a secret sauce for disaster in Ohio. I don't know what they were thinking, yeah. but um, that's why I'm, I, I thank goodness that most of the states in this country don't allow you to put everything on the ballot because right. pure democracies are not the way to run a country. So- no, whoa, 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 whoa. It's a record scratch. scratch. Back up. Back up the truck. It. What what did Rick Santorum just say? Right. Pure democracies are not the way to run a country. So, whoa, 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 whoa. I got, I just got ear, hearing problems today. What was that again? One more time? Right. Pure democracies are not the way to run a country. So, it, it kind of sounds like Rick Santorum just said out loud on Fox News Entertainment Political Complex Television that True democracies are not a way to run a country. Did I hear that right? right. Pure democracies are not the way to run a country. So- I did hear that right. This guy was in the Senate in Pennsylvania from 1995 to 2007, becoming the third ranking Republican during that time. Okay, he was in the Senate. He can't do a whole lot all by himself, right? Well, okay, I guess I can take that argument. I'll listen to it. How about this, though? finishing second in the primaries in 12 to Mitt Romney. He finished second. A guy that says pure democracies are not the way to run a country. Pure democracies are not a way to run a country came in second to Mitt Romney in the 2012 Republican primary. Pure democracies are not the way to run a country. Oh, good God. Somebody kill me. Um, I wish I could be more of an out loud practicing libertarian. I have trouble with it. I, in theory, I love it. Here's just a quick one for you. Libertarians want everything that everyone else wants. We want good education. We want good health care. We want a civil society. We want people to be safe. We've just recognized that having government control every single aspect of society is a uniquely bad way of doing it. And that has been the problem. Government got involved in health care. They're ruining health care. They got involved in education. They're ruining education. We could go down the line with that. We recognize that the more local government is, the more accountable to the people government is, and the more allowing people to make decisions voluntarily for themselves and working together with others, the better off things are going to be. And the warning we've been making is that it doesn't even matter if it's Republicans or Democrats in charge. When it comes to things like the debt, when it comes to things like endless wars, when it comes to things like, you know, the cost of everything spiraling out of control, it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And he's absolutely not wrong. I, I mean, I'm libertarian light. Um, I don't trust People see the in order for libertarianism to work, you have to put a lot of trust in people to do the right thing or at least to try to be cooperative. And if you're putting your trust in the average asshole walking around on the street and that, you're you know, you're on a different planet than me. And while I don't trust any of these actors that pretend to be politicians. At least there's a semblance of control that we get to elect them. We get to vote for them. I don't get to vote for my neighbor, right? Obviously, I can vote with my legs and my money and my travel, and I can move away. But I don't get to vote for who lives three doors down from me or you know on the other side of town. I don't have any control over that. And hoping that those people will rally around and we can all do the libertarian thing properly, I don't have any faith or trust in that's why I'm not a libertarian. But then I'm also still having trouble with this guy. Right. Pure democracies are not the way to run a country. So- Pure democracies are not a way to run a country from Rick Santorum. It's, I'm not hearing things, right? right? Pure democracies are not the way to run a country. So- All right. So, and the final one I have here, which doesn't mean anything, um, this uh, lady, girl, young lady talking on uh on TikTok about marijuana. And um, I thought it was worth having in the queue for something someday. And for today, it's going to wrap up today's show. This is just something I find kind of funny in the weed world. You know, at first, everyone just cared about THC percentage. And then really cool research came out on terpenes. And everyone said THC percentage does not matter. It's all about terpenes. And now new research came out on the other smelly molecules, the flavorins. And everyone's like, terpenes don't matter. It's all about the flavorins. 
When are we going to realize that everything matters from the soil that plant was grown in to the intention you have upon consuming? It all matters for your experience. And that's so true in so many things in life. Everything really does matter in so many things. What you say matters. How you act matters. How you produce a product. How you produce a crop. All these things matter. So when everybody was, oh, mean tweets, who cares? Trump's a dickhead. Who really cares? Because the way he conducts himself matters. It is important. It all eventually leads to something good, sometimes, more often, bad, and especially things matter when you say things like, pure democracies are not the way to run a country. Pure democracies are not a way to run a country. And, well, to a certain degree, uh, Santorum is right. We're not a democracy. We're all the other things. Uh, A a, a autocracy. A theocracy. Um, So maybe he's on to something. I don't know. We're a meritocracy. We certainly seem to be, and I don't have a problem with that nearly as much. But, yeah, when your third powerful Senate member from 95 to 2007 and the runner-up in the 2012 Republican Party thinks pure democracies are not the way to run a country. We have got some problems around here. And that is all I have for you today. Thanks for joining the show. I'll do it again next week. We'll have fun with that realtor thing. I promise we'll do it probably in the open or I'll spend an entire segment on it. I don't know. I don't know. I got to think about it. Week-long tease and uh, main times 24. That's in two weeks, so we don't have to worry about that this weekend. Tennessee, Georgia this week, if uh, that's your thing and you got one of those teams you're rooting for, good for you. I'm going to enjoy myself, relax, and chill, and we'll do it again next Thursday. Oh, whoa, 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 wait. No, we won't do it next Thursday. Next Thursday is Thanksgiving, so the show will likely drop on Wednesday. Either way, talk to you next week. See you later. Bye.